Marcus, Lucas. On, Lucas. As, as Yay. Going. <laughs> All good. Going good in the trade. The trade as always. Welcome everybody to Bitcoiners Guide, the show we wish we would have had when we first started learning about Bitcoin. So we made it for you. A little timestamp and price stamp before we get started. Today is August 2nd, 8.30 p.m. Uh, in Mountain Standard Time. And the current price of Bitcoin, let's just take a quick look at it, is 22800 and some change. So Bitcoin is going sideways, like always, in the bear market. Uh, we have a great guest today. Uh, he goes by... Uh, at Duckzko, D-U-C-Z-K-O, on Twitter, and uh, and his name is Lucas. Lucas, thanks, man, for coming on. We're really excited to uh, to speak with you. Nice to be here, Sean. Super nice, and by Marcus as well. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, super, super welcome, Lucas. And maybe maybe a quick intro from my side. I've, uh, I've, you know, it's fun when you when you meet people uh, on Twitter, Bitcoin maximalists specifically, and um, then get to meet people that you've engaged with online first to meet them in real life, because I had the pleasure of meeting Lucas uh, in Amsterdam uh, a couple of months ago, and we got to hang out, we got to talk, uh, real Bitcoin talk, it's always fun when you can talk to Bitcoiners amongst each other, you know, there's no explanation necessary for a lot of things, and you can quickly get into like the details of stuff, but yeah, I've, I've had the pleasure of meeting Lucas in, uh, in real life. He invited me on, uh, on one of his episodes where he talks uh, to um, Bitcoin maximalists from different countries every week. And he invited me because I was tweeting about Belize and he thought I was in Belize, but I was only there on holiday. I told him I'm actually in the Netherlands. And then he was like, great, then I want to do a space about the Netherlands as well. <laughs> I helped him get uh, some of the Dutch Bitcoin maximalists together. And we had a great space and great fun. And it's kind of powerful what uh, what Lucas is doing because, and he's I'm sure he's going to say a little bit more a little later. But just by inviting us, saying that, hey, can you help me out get the Dutch Bitcoin maximalists together to talk about Bitcoin and the Netherlands and the economy of the Netherlands and how's Bitcoin adoption going on in the Netherlands? I got to invite a bunch of uh, people and help the you know you you invite the people that you know and you say do you know any other Bitcoin maximalists? Let's get this together. Yeah, And we spent like two or three hours or maybe even longer in that spaces talking and by doing a spaces together, we all got to know each other better. So we kept talking. There was a chat group that, you know, that we, we got to talk a lot more afterwards. And yeah, so he's really connecting people by doing this, this weekly spaces in different country. And uh, yeah, a lot of good has come from it more than I can mention here right now, but um yeah, just getting Bitcoiners to connect with each other is uh, is awesome, and also the format that uh, that that Lucas uses in his space is really cool, and uh, he's just an all around great guy. So we thought, good idea, pleb Bitcoiner, let's get him on, let's talk some Bitcoin, let's hang out and uh, make a let's make a cool show. Yeah, and that goes by Global Bitcoin Fest, right? Global BTC Fest on Twitter. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, those those are the best the best times when you can just get on spaces. Obviously, if you can meet up in real life, that is by far the best thing. Um, but even getting on spaces, kind of getting away from the 24 hour news cycle, 
that we have uh, that's putting all all these uh, these lies that we've heard about money and what's a recession, what's not a recession, those type of things. Uh, it's good to just sit down and talk talk the truth and talk good things with Bitcoiners. I think I think the one thing that that we all felt the reason why Global Bitcoin Fest really started was there was a feeling amongst non-American Bitcoiners that there's a lot of focus on the U.S. and what's happening in the U.S. And it's natural because the U.S. is really far ahead when it comes to Bitcoin adoption. But it, we felt when, when okay, what's Europe. happening in these... What? Wind strike Europe, right? <laughs> well, not really, because I'm not that interested in Europe either myself. It was more uh, like we were we were a group of people. Uh, well, mainly in the beginning, it was Central America. So we were like Mexico, Venezuela, El Salvador, like like all over the place. And we were like, okay, we're talking to each other from all over the world, but we're not really like digging that deep. So. I think that was the the original like feeling that brought us together where we started doing doing spaces together and it wasn't at all the format that we're doing now it was we just started giving away free sats and then uh then Nayib Bukele did a surprise announcement about the <laughs> El Salvador law and, and we were like oh let's check out El Salvador and they were all like we did a space with I met one El Salvadorian before in spaces, uh, Soldado Digital, and uh, and we tried to organize a space with him, and all the all the El Salvadorians were fighting on the space, like you know, because everybody's like, oh, Bitcoin bad because Nay Bukele bad, and like you know, <laughs> we didn't, you know, it was really hard to manage the space, and my Spanish is really broken, and. So we decided, okay, let's just do free SaaS giveaways. And we did it in Cuba, we did Venezuela, Mexico, Salvador, and just having fun. And this group of plebs, this chat, uh, one guy had a, an idea one day, hey, let's let's do a 24-hour space for El Salvador <laughs> <laughs> on the day when they go live. So we would start midnight and then end midnight that day. Wow. And uh that was six days before we had uh, before the 7th of september and we we're like no way that's a bad idea and 12 hours later like everybody was working on it It was like 15 people then it was 20 then it was 30 people there was so many people that were working on this and we managed to get it together and then doing the space was like oh my god 24 hours and every hour like just amazing maxis came in and just like share their story from like yeah. You know, Sudan, Ethiopia, Greece, uh, yellow was on, like we <laughs> three had uh, every, it was so cool. So we were like, okay, let's do this every week and just like see what happens. I almost uh, have, I almost have we, like reverse FOMO that I, that I didn't hop in. I didn't even hear about that. Wish I would have, I uh, wish I would have hopped in back in the day. But I totally agree. If you think about Central America, I, I've actually lived in, I lived in Honduras for two years. And so uh, you just see how much Bitcoin is needed down in, in, in countries like those Central American countries. There's so many people that are unbanked and, uh, and you, you see a lot of Americans that dismiss Bitcoin because it's, it's just like, oh, you know, we'll never have an issue where, where like with the dollar won't hurt us. I think that's what a lot of people think is, oh, the dollar works just fine. Why do we need Bitcoin? But you go to these other countries 
and they have their local government currencies that don't work fine. And they're always trying to save in some other currency, normally the, the dollar. And so it's really cool that they, they kind of already are more prepared to understand what Bitcoin is because they don't live in this, in this Americanized bubble where Americans, it's like the only, unless you've traveled outside the country, you've lived outside of the country, uh, a, lot of, a lot of us kind of uh, live in this American bubble, which is a little sad. But uh, but it's just the way things are, right? You can't change that. No, I mean, it's nice to be American in many ways. And one thing that's really cool is that we discover almost every week like new angles to like things that are happening. Like last week, we learned that in Slovakia, they mainly get Bitcoins for Bitcoin ATMs. I mean, I don't know any other country where you have like a lot of Bitcoin ATMs and everybody's getting Bitcoins for Bitcoin ATMs. Yeah. And like the Venezuela space that we did, like that was quite a long time ago now, but they, it was very practical. It wasn't like a lot of theory, like, oh, you know, Bitcoin will become this macro power. And it was like, okay, the military in Venezuela doesn't have enough money, so they are mining Bitcoin to finance their operations. And <laughs> like, you know, it's like like really like weird practical things about like how Bitcoin is being applied. Yeah. Maybe not, I mean, maybe the military in Venezuela is not like what you want to hear as like a regulator <laughs> in the US, but like it's really interesting these weird use cases that you discover that when you're not talking to like normal uh, the normal stories but like you dive into these plebs like some people some accounts hiding with like 200 followers but like they come out and like share this like crazy story like oh you know i was i was a i started you know orange pilling people in norway 2010 you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like this guy's an og right you know you never know who may pop in one of those was it's crazy i was on a spaces the other day and uh Lord Fusitua from Tonga popped in and I know people have differing opinions on him, but one thing interesting that he said was there was a, there was a, like a tsunami or something that hit Tonga and it basically wiped out the electricity for, for their Island or the islands for about three weeks. And he said that, uh, that Samson Mao, when he used to work a block stream, they had the satellite hooked up and people could make payments through Bitcoin through the satellite. Um, the only issue was there wasn't a lot of people, there weren't that many people who even knew how to use Bitcoin and knew how to use it through the satellite. Um, all the other payments, basically, they went offline for about three weeks. So anyone who knew how to use Blockstream satellite and knew how to use Bitcoin were, were doing all right. They could go buy certain, certain materials that they needed. Uh, but the people who didn't, they were just kind of out of luck until everything came back on the grid. So yeah, just like what you're saying, like there's, there's always some random story that you hear from some country that uh, that really surprises you that you don't even think about until it happens. And you're like, wow, this is another use, like out of all the use cases, add another one on to what Bitcoin can do. And I mean, isn't like the current most famous story kind of like that? It just happened to be, have become one of the most famous stories, which is Bitcoin Beach. I mean, quite random. A guy or a group of guy goes, goes. They get some money and they start like trying to make a circular economy on the beach, and boom, uh, 
you get a whole country adopting it eventually. I mean, Naib was talking about it, you know, giving him credit. I think he was talking about it many years before before it actually happened. But yeah, we don't know which of these stories that would actually eventually turn out to be very significant. We we've actually noticed this in our spaces that some of the stories that are shared uh, turn out to be like really significant later. So for example, we when we did our 24 hour space, we had uh, Abelito from Panama mm -hmm. on with um, the Gabriel Garcia, I think is his name, the uh, regulator there, the independent that was pushing the law to implement like clarity. Yeah. Or, I mean, it wasn't a Bitcoin law, it was Bitcoin and crypto. Yeah. But Abelito is a Bitcoiner. So hopefully the hope is that he can use that to push adoption. So they announced it in this. They talked about it for one hour in that 24-hour space. Six months later, he came on when we did a space about Panama. They said, well, we're just about to actually push it to the president for signing. Because wow. now it's going to happen. So, And we talked with the Ethiopian community like a few weeks ago. And they're talking about this massive dam that's going to um that is being unused at the moment uh hydropower and they could generate like many billions of dollars in revenue for the government and it's a very poor country so it would make a massive difference just imagine if that country starts mining bitcoin with their this massive dam that they <laughs> I, know. I mean what will all the other countries do in the world they're like uh, uh, uh what you gotta do, you do it do too <laughs> yeah it's a yeah the ha the great hash wars right that's that's the biggest thing um yeah it's it really is amazing the you know and i think what one thing that that we, we were talking before right before we started recording it's just fun to hear these type of stories and hear what people like you were doing because i think everyone can like stacking bitcoin and hodling is a great use case for bitcoin and that's the use case that a lot of us will do would not and we won't build anything in the ecosystem of bitcoin or around it or on top of it but i think there's a lot of people out there especially because we're so new to bitcoin right now that have ideas that are good ideas solid ideas to to start something like global bitcoin fest or start the dam right but maybe they need to get that idea from global bitcoin fest so i think it's just really cool to see people that are building and, and you have no idea, right? Like where this could end up taking you and, and where it could end up helping Bitcoin. So I think that's, that's just the really cool thing as, as we're so new to Bitcoin. And even though people say, oh, it's been around for 13 years, it's not new. Like it really is new still. If you look at its total addressable market, uh, like there's a long runway for Bitcoin. And so, one thing that's really cool, when we, when we started doing these spaces, I mean, we're we're a group of plebs they're just doing this for fun right we're yeah. like oh like what's happening in this country what's happening in that country okay i happen to like be running uh, most of those weekly shows but like we're a group of people everybody's like chiming in doing different stuff and what one thing that's there wasn't a lot of spaces happening or talks about these other countries but i'm noticing now that like okay now all of the like different African communities are starting to talk to each other like they're starting to do spaces like Nigeria and now Kenya and like and now we see we're seeing like a bunch of other 
constellations or like companies that are doing spaces that are kind of similar as well, like focusing on 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 these communities all over the world. Yeah. So like, yeah, and how many, as you say, like how many other types of topics or like angles have not at all been like, this is just, I mean, we started one year ago. There's, yeah. <laughs> there's so much stuff that. And you get people together and you get people talking, especially people that have creative minds and they're smart. Then it just sparks, you know, there's one, a new idea, boom, comes up. Someone else has another idea. And so as you get people together, you get people doing things, it just creates more opportunities for Bitcoin adoption. And I think that's that's one thing that I really like to see is Bitcoin adoption, but Bitcoin adoption at a, at a you know, for the underprivileged people. I think that's something that is that we don't look at a lot either is what about these people in, in these countries that may be living close to paycheck to paycheck and maybe they're living paycheck to paycheck because their government currency is is going through a, a high inflation or hyperinflation. So they figure I have to spend my money all the time. But maybe if, they're, if they knew of another option, and I think that's what I always try to do is let people know that there is another option besides saving in your local currency. There's an option called Bitcoin. And if they know about it, then, then you can opt in or you can opt out. You don't have to use Bitcoin. But just, I think the hard thing is when I see someone who's suffering financially and they don't know about Bitcoin, then it kind of hurts me like, man, if I could, if I could let them know what I know, and maybe I can only, I can only, you can only tell someone so much, right? And then they have to do the research themselves. But, but I, yeah. I love being able to give people that first bite of Bitcoin and then, then letting them decide if they want to go further or not. Oh, you're on mute, Lucas. Uh -huh. Okay. One thing that I've noticed is that we are, we are focusing a lot on trying to onboard new people. Mm. But what about the people that are really deep in Bitcoin already? I've noticed it seems like a lot of those people aren't getting that much attention and like recognition for what they're already doing. Yeah. And positive feedback loops are really important. Uh, like they give you energy to continue and do more. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I've started really rethinking wow. my own focus, like maybe helping existing Bitcoiners could be giving more results than trying to find uh, new uh, people to orange pill. Uh, so yeah, it's a completely like new realization to me. Like, huh, okay. Um, yeah, because some of these people have started doing like, yeah, other stuff and or like, oh yeah, I can talk to these other people. And like, oh yeah, just you just shine a bit of light on what what's already happening, and boom, it starts blooming even more. It's really cool. Yeah. Anyways, you guys, I mean, you what what you guys are doing with the meme factory as well is like shine shine some light on us, Lucas. Shine some light. We need it. <laughs> My star will continue to rise. <laughs> no, but it's like your your story is really amazing as well. All this, also, you know, I I had the privilege to hear you know Marcus share those things with me 
you know more in depth like oh then this person said this and then oh wow then we chatted this and like yeah. but it seems so organic it's so cool like when some people just get together okay well, now there's there's a group of people with a passion of memeing and then boom like oh whoops we made like laser eyes like nobody yeah. had like an intention it's just it's just fun and i don't know i really i, I feel that there somehow there's a there's a similarity between the me factory story and the global bitcoin fest story in terms of like oh let's just dig here it seems fun you know like, oh yeah oh what what oh oh and like a lot of like interesting stuff just start happening from the excitement and the creativity just love it. Yeah, just just to jump back a little bit um, to um, like adoption and awareness. Um, what I've noticed, uh, like um, here on St. Martin again, is that you know, like I can never help myself when we go into a restaurant or a venue. I just you know ask people like, do you know about Bitcoin or do you accept Bitcoin here? And you know, nobody asks you what is Bitcoin. Right. They know what is Bitcoin. And even today, this lady immediately asked me, uh, no, I don't have Bitcoin. I wish I did. <laughs> and um, like, I was like, uh, I forgot the conversation a little bit. But the point is, she ended like within like, I, we, we barely spoke for a minute. And she immediately asked me, like, do you have a card? So she was like super interested in, in wanting to know more. But you know they're they're just missing the, the 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 very practical information of like how to get it and you know it, it seems to be hard for them to, to to find that but I'm definitely seeing a shift there where it's not about anymore about like so much explaining the use case at least not here in St Martin people is just like yeah I want Bitcoin cool but how do I get it you know it's more of the practical questions about like how do I get it and what app do I need and 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 that kind of stuff so there's the awareness is very high and i think with every cycle that that group is growing and it's it's exciting but with me and lucas we we've been talking a little bit offline as well and it was uh, we've been having a discussion about yeah it's all seems pretty obvious it's going to happen but at the same time it's going to take a long time because learning bitcoin and understanding it and and coming going through that journey you know because everybody is natural to look into into other coins or maybe you get lost on like whoa this this application you know this blockchain application i can use that in my work and then people will start putting all their mental energy into seeing how they can like apply it to like their job or business or whatever and then they they kind of go off the track a little bit towards like really understanding bitcoin because they think they see this other application and eventually they'll get there but it usually takes a long time and but it's it's happening and you can see it happening and I, I i keep falling back to that you know if you just look back like one or two years and then you look back another two years and you you look at what has changed in that meantime it's it's really happening but it's it's going fast and at the same time it's you, you cannot really like speed it up in my opinion but there's there's different opinions on that as well do you think yeah it's Oh, here's my question. Do you think that, so right now people look at Bitcoin and they go, wow, it's really volatile, you know, or they, they have a very, like a very high time preference. They'll say, oh, it's down a lot, but it's down a lot in the last six, 
to eight months. It's actually up a lot in the last two years, last five years compared to most things. Do you think there will come a time in the near future, the next, you know, maybe three or four or five years where people understand like we do that instead of like, instead of even knowing about the 21 million cap, they don't know about the having, they don't know about the difficulty adjustment. All they know is, look, I keep looking at Bitcoin and the number keeps going up, whether it's volatile in the short term, but the number does go up. Do you think that we get there in the next few years and people start buying Bitcoin and wanting Bitcoin because they because they just realize subconsciously that the number will always continue to go up, but they don't really know why? Or what, what are you guys thoughts on that? So I think it kind of like really like adds to my point, to be honest, because it kind of means that you need to go through like a full cycle to understand that this thing goes up really fast, then correct, and then goes up really fast and even higher past its previous all-time high and just does the same thing over and over again. And for you to see that happen, because a lot of people take notice when it's making new all-time highs and then they're like, ah, it crashes. You see, it's worthless. And then they kind of like put it away yeah. And then two years later, they're like, wait a second. Then all of a sudden they hear it again. It, it shows up on their radar again when it's making new all-time highs again. So that's roughly four or five years in between. And that's when the moment that they're like, hmm, hmm, you know, and then it drops again. So you're, you're almost like maybe four or six years. <laughs> and then they might consider like, oh, now it's really low again. It might do it again. And they start looking at the graph. And maybe that's the point in time that they'll start buying. But then you're like four years down the line or six years. So we, for people to notice it, pay attention to it, forget about it, notice it again and start like being like, hey, this is odd. You know, it, yeah, you need to... I guess for them to experience it, that's like a, that's a cycle. That's like four years. So that, that will take a long time. But I do think that every time Bitcoin does this, and this has been like clearly the third time already, that group of people that are aware of this is growing. And, and you know, like this last cycle, again, it's been getting so much news with now Elon Musk and Michael Saylor. Yeah. So that group that's aware of this is growing each cycle. And I think... If you look at like the statistics of how many people, you know, they do different surveys in different countries. And let's say it's around like five to 10% right now. If you look at like the diffusion of technology in, in different sectors, whether it was like the adoption of the smartphone or the adoption of TV or the adoption of the radio or the internet, it always seems to be like this 20 to 30% mark that all of a sudden it kicks in where um, the adoption speeds up because you have like this critical mass that understands it. And when, once you have like three out of 10 people understanding it, then apparently that's like this critical phase where if somebody mentions it at a table, there's always one person that could be like, oh, wait a minute, I can explain it to you, right? Because it's so, so, and so. And right now we're still under that because yeah. if you go into any, no, yeah. I just like to use the example of like a restaurant or a bar, you know, just any venue where there's a couple of people together and they start talking about it. If there's nobody that really understands it, then the, 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 the conversation will just die and stop there. But yes. once there's like one or two people that can explain it to the rest of them, that's when it really goes viral, you know, because then 
because people start when they start mentioning it. Ask questions. It's a theory. It's a theory. It's uh, it's my new stock to flow model. I'm going to be <laughs> writing a white paper about this. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Plan markets. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking of different. I'm, I'm thinking when you guys are talking as well, like maybe there's different tools that are added to the toolbox of orange pilling. So the price is a good marketing tool. Everybody says all the time, right? Yeah. But then, uh, then how do you tr start trusting the price? Uh, how do you actually know that the price won't go to zero? Well, that takes a little bit more time to understand because maybe the real proof of Bitcoin's uh, decentralization only happened uh, after the block size wars, where we saw that Bitcoin withstood the, the most aggressive attack ever. And yes. no, no competitor will be credible, as credible as Bitcoin, uh, until they went through something similar. And why would they? It seems like they all fail and they become hyper centralized when they go through that kind of crisis. So, yeah. but then now we have Lightning Network. That's another like yes. super amazing orange pilling tool. Me and Marcus have done like new now three videos together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. We're just doing these videos all the time where we like you guys, you guys need to go around the world. You guys need to travel around somewhere and so so then like okay so now lightning network is another layer and hmm well it, the speed is not going away like once you've experienced it once you forever know that there's a possibility to receive uh cash yeah, yeah. without kyc instantly from someone else from the other side of the world okay that means something that that that's like you can't that's an unforgettable experience now the question is when will you need it again like now it, you don't need the proof you just need to exercise it i question is what other tools like this are coming like are starting to become widely available okay we have the price with lightning network i don't know is there any other things that pop up in your minds that is like adding to the orange pilling tools um well we, so even just this last weekend i was a host of thunder games they were doing uh they do like they'll have every week they'll do like a new game on your iphone or android and it was cool for me because i i was downloading i had a couple games that i downloaded and every day they do drawings and you always win. Like if you're playing these games, you're always going to win 10 sats, 20 sats or so a day. So it's kind of like, it's almost like a Bitcoin faucet, right? And there's a lot of people, especially like older people. I know my mom, she's always playing some game on her phone. And if she could play some game that was giving her sats, like I think that's also another way to get to get adoption and and it's a small amount right you're getting 20 sats less than a cent but it's still i think just another way to to gain adoption and it's of course it's over the lightning network so it's almost like a layer three right because it uses the lightning network and um once you get those once you get that prize those sats you can just transfer it over to your you can claim it in your lightning wallet immediately and so that's what's really cool too 
I don't know, Marcus, if you had a couple other things that look like you want to say something. Yeah, I think I think Lucas make a, made a really, really valid point there. You know, I was talking about price and how price indeed, you know, like the cycles might orange pill people, but you're completely right because we had, you know, the Canadian trucker protests. So for some people that may be a very important use case to be like, hey, it might be a good idea to, you know, hold some unconfiscatable money on the side, you know, just in case my government turns against me um your example of thunder games and that reminded me of like uh, a lot of podcasters are using um uh, help me out here is it fountain that they're using yeah anyway an app where yes. you can do streaming sets right so instead of your listeners uh, bothering them with like ads on on youtube or spotify or whatever they can now just like stream you just sets it's it's less than cents right per per minute but if you have like a couple of hundred or a couple of thousand listeners, then those stats add up and you get like, you get to tip your favorite podcaster with, with like micro payments, you know, with cents for just, and you, you, you change the whole advertising model for, for content. So for some people in different places, you know, in the world, Bitcoin means a lot of different things for them. For people in Ukraine who are fleeing the country and were able to literally just, uh, transfer all their stuff into bitcoin and, yeah. and get it across the the country it'll be their use case so bitcoin and the usability side of it you know the amount of apps uh, that 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 are being built on bitcoin whether it's for payments or whether it's for games uh, these are there's so many layers and use cases to bitcoin that you know like all these things are evolving and progressing and growing they're not getting smaller they're they're all developing and they're, it's, it's like this organism that grows out in all directions, you know, and on different levels. Uh, because even like for the, for the corporate world, I mean, MicroStrategy has shown the world that as a company, you can go on a Bitcoin standard, right? So that's yeah. a whole different demographic again. If I hear Greg Foss talking about the bond market and how you can use Bitcoin to hedge it. If you listen to people in El Salvador and different countries, how to use Bitcoin for remittances. So yeah, Bitcoin is so everywhere and everything all at once and on all those levels it's developing and growing and and you know those stories and use cases are are spreading we haven't even touched on the mining part you know where like bitcoin is yeah. being used to balance like uh, electrical grids and you know and uh, and, the, and the example of the dam you you just gave in ethiopia it's uh i mean it's pretty amazing if you look at it and the and just the, the number of use cases and just the, and how that's grown in the past couple of years. It's incredible. Don't forget that just a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, JB Diamond of JP Morgan, the CEO, was saying if you just even look at Bitcoin, you're gonna get fired. And here we are, three years later, he's offering custodial solutions for his richest clients of, of JP Morgan. So you're literally just seeing the adoption at all levels. And at the same time, people look at a price and be like, oh, but the price is dipping. What's going on? You know? And so definitely price is not the only signal. And people are being orange-pilled, as we say, through different stories and different use cases, depending on their situation and their interests, I guess. So, yeah, I think, yeah. I think just what you're saying, like something that always kind of surprises me is when I'll, I'll hear someone who is like, yeah, you know, I got into Bitcoin when I was buying weed on Mount on uh, on uh, Silk Road, something like that. Oh, I was buying drugs on Silk Road, and and then and then I and then I went down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. I'm like what? Like how? 
did that even happen? You know, but I, that is something that surprises me just because they're just using it as money. And I guess then one day that clicks like, well, what is this thing? And I think as, as if, if people are using it to buy drugs, which is totally up to them. Um, and they, and they go down the, what is money? What is Bitcoin rabbit hole and understand what Bitcoin is like, then as it's just about getting more touch points, it, whether that's playing Thunder Games, whether that's the Lightning Network for remittances, whether that's mining, whether whatever, it, whether it's taking your life savings out of Ukraine, whatever it is, I think people just need more touch points. And the more that they use it, the more that they see it, the more people will start adopting it. I want to add one more. Um, getting paid with Bitcoin. As more and more countries are going into hyperinflation, more and more governments are locking down those economies, implementing capital controls, as we're seeing in Turkey, Nigeria, Zimbabwe is back on hyperinflation. These people in these countries, there's super competent people there, and they, they can work anywhere in the world. And Bitcoin Lightning Payments is a way for them to access employers all over the world that they can't access you using the normal banking network right and i've heard it just recently talked talked about quite a lot so i'm i'm predicting uh, let's let's see if it's going to happen in the next two years it's going to pop up a bunch of bitcoin uh recruitment firms across the world in like developing nations that have capital controls uh, that are paying these uh, developers and marketers, whatever, with lightning. Let's yeah. see. Let, let's see how big that will be. But I, I think there's a there's a lot of money to be made there, and greed tends to be quite a good uh, driver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could totally see that too. Uh, and you know, you you've gone out, of, you've gone to many different countries, and so have I. One of the worst things that you have to do is go in and exchange your money or you get paid but it's i'm getting if sometimes if a if a team in europe they want to pay me into straight on my bank account then it then there's a charge international fee or if i got to do it through uh through transfer wise there's a little bit of a fee there so there's always different fees but if if i'm doing it on a money that has no borders like bitcoin then then there's zero remittance fees. And that's exactly what I want, right? As I travel around the world, I don't want to have to be going in and out of different currencies and getting a 15% haircut or 10% haircut every time I'm going from one currency to the next. I just want to be able to transact in one currency. I think that's something that Bitcoin definitely solves for, kind of like the sovereign individual type of person. I, co I completely agree. And again, I'm sorry to keep mentioning the fact that I'm now in the Caribbean and uh, I'm enjoying it here, obviously. But, you know, I go here to the ATM machine and, you know, some of these these venues, like you want some ribs on the beach, you know, they don't accept credit cards. So it's always handy to have a couple of dollars in your pocket. You know, so I go to the ATM and the first message that shows up is like, um, this ATM charges you $7.50 to, uh, to withdraw money from this ATM, right? It's just like <laughs> extreme. And Not even just to, to get a seven dollar <laughs> drink, <joking>. right? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, okay, um, how long am I going to stay here? How much cash am I going to need? Because I only want to like use this ATM once, once right? Yeah. I don't want to like. 
So I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a good amount out of this machine. Then the machine tells me, uh, 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 your maximum withdrawal is $200 per, per usage. You know? So if you want to like take out $400, you're going to have to use it twice and you're, and you're, you're paying $50 for, yeah, you know, it's, it's insane. It's like, uh, what is it? I mean, do the math. Um, 4%. Yeah. So how easy is it? How easy is it? Right. If you just have this Bitcoin account, right? That's your, your world account and whatever country you go to, Bitcoin is universally accepted and you can pay yeah. in sats or, or on chain or whatever. It, it makes so much sense. It makes so much sense for anybody. Uh, it's trustless. It's beautiful. So I see it happen. Uh, back to Lucas. What I'm curious about, you know, like we, we always say in this show that, you know, we're making this show for, um, yeah, for people that are relatively new to Bitcoin or just still finding their way towards Bitcoin or maybe have questions around, you know, altcoins or applications or how to get it. Or what do you think of, Lucas, when, when you think of like, oh, new Bitcoiners or people new to Bitcoin and, you know, what, what would your tip be to, to them? What, what comes to mind? I think, uh, I think it touches on what we talked about yesterday, um, Marcus, that I think that not enough is talked about the uh, amazing solution that Bitcoin is providing to the problem of human greed. Um, and I mean, it's, greed is also amazing because it latches on to the you know, price movements of Bitcoin. So it's, I mean, also in that way, Bitcoin uses that. But yeah, like, I think most people haven't experienced uh, profoundly uh, how greed takes over the human being in a very absolute sense. Uh, people uh, stop, uh, they just completely morph into something else. You know, blood, blood sucking vampires, whatever you want to, you know, want to portray it as a golem, you know, that just, ah, oh, my red, precious, you know, people get really, 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 really weird uh, when they're around something that is very valuable. And um, most people, I don't think have experienced the level of craziness that people achieve uh, through greed. And it's something that lies very profoundly in, in humans. Uh, and that's, the reason why Bitcoin is so important because the ultimate, the ultimate power is the power over people's time. Yes, of, over there. And printing money is yeah. the power of everybody's time, over everybody's time, right? So you're sitting next to the money printer and as a human, it's impossible for you not to become golem. I mean, there's, um, it's almost unique for people not to become golem in that situation. And yeah. if they don't become golem, their wife becomes golem, or their, you know, their boss becomes golem, or their partner. I mean, the person the or the person, after, the person them after, like, yeah, the person yeah. after them will become golem. Yeah, just kick them out. You, you didn't become golem enough. My turn yeah. to golem this shit. You know, yeah. so, so, uh, Bitcoin defense humanity against that profound uh, kind of um yeah uh, what read I'm, I'm yeah the 
I'm thinking of a Swedish word here, so I'm not finding it. But like that thing that we're lacking in our character, maybe was good, but it's not serving us as a civilized uh, people mm -hmm. uh, very well. And that's why we're going through these like destructive cycles uh, where like the rulers always end up diluting the money and then, you know, destroying civilization. And maybe with Bitcoin, we can prevent that impulse from destroying uh, our civilizations and we can actually, actually accelerate into a more beautiful future in very many ways. And if people would understand how destructive greed is and how important bitcoin is in protecting uh, them and their friends and their family and the society from this very problematic uh, feature of human nature i think they would appreciate bitcoin much more and they would be maybe more intrigued to research uh, than what it is yes so we talk decentralization, but we don't talk about why decentralization is necessary. It's necessary because of human nature and the greed and what that does to then civilization and to people in person as well. That's maybe my like five cents. And then, yeah, maybe reading the block size wars after you read first, maybe the fiat standard, then the Bitcoin standard uh and finally the block size wars because fiat standard first huh yeah because so we can understand what why read about the solution before you're reading about how you know messed up everything is today and the fiat standard is a great introduction like oh my god <laughs> is our system creating this okay maybe maybe the bitcoin standard can tell me a bit more and then like uh, next step i think the block size wars is so important because it proves it's a book that proves that bitcoin is truly decentralized it's like it's the case study yeah. that can't be reproduced or it's incredibly hard to reproduce uh once you've read that you know this thing will withstand anything yeah, this is this is why we we have guests on uh, like this, Sean, because yeah. um, you know we can we <laughs> can sell it. We you're you're dropping some very um, heavy um, knowledge here uh, in the <laughs> on the stream, uh, Lucas. So thanks for that. Awesome. Yeah, yeah this is Bitcoin <laughs> kindergarten. <laughs> Get those horns. Yeah, I totally agree, man. I think that's that's one of the cool things about Bitcoin is it eliminates the need for trust and because you don't have to trust uh you can verify everything and with the verification with the decentralization what you're saying that is what takes human like the human air human greed just the natural state of what humans do it takes it out of it and it just lets it be in a protocol and the protocol is predictable uh we all know the monetary policy and no one can change that monetary policy. So it aligns incentives. And I think that's the biggest thing, right? The, the US dollar does not align incentives. It's, I'm gonna take from you, you have less, I have more. But in Bitcoin, you can't take from someone. You can only offer goods and services, or you can only do work to receive Bitcoin. You can't steal in, in a quote unquote roundabout way. And that's what, that's what we have with with any fiat it just creates it creates these lopsided 
you know, the cantil the Cantillon effect versus the plebs. And that's what's so cool about Bitcoin is it is it realigns everyone's incentives and, and the miners, Bitcoiners, hodlers, even the no coiners, eventually when they start getting to Bitcoin, we all have the same incentives. And so we're all aligned. And it's really cool because it makes you think if our or if our incentives are aligned all throughout everyone with the money, what can we do as humanity, as society? It, like it makes you think that we could, the things that we would be able to accomplish would increase by orders of magnitude because now we're all aligned on our incentives. I, I just, I want to say something about the Cantillon effect. This is a recent thought that has struck me. Somebody mentioned that the uh, GDP number is calculated by uh, also services exchanged within, within a country. And I think you can boost GDP quite effectively uh, just by, um, say, printing money and being able to pay for services uh, from, say, other nations. And uh, so suddenly you're like, you're, you're, you're actually just, you're boosting GDP artificially through the money printer as well. Yeah. Now, um, if, if that's actually the case and like real GDP, you would have to measure through like real production of of, of things um so they i saw this graph like measuring like the gdp of the u.s versus um russia in terms of uh productive industrial productive capacity of, like physical goods yeah. and instead of having 15 times the gdp of russia it had like uh, uh the u.s had like 30 percent higher gdp <laughs> wow. yeah like the number like the difference is just incredible and now it's like, okay, let's forget about Russia and uh, all the negative feelings that people have about Russia, but what about other countries? Like countries that produce, you know, you know, real stuff, but they're yes. like dirt poor. But if you would actually measure it like in more real terms, where would they actually be in terms of GDP? And like how much less of their productive capacity would be sucked out? So how profound is the Cantillon effect to us in the West? I mean, yeah, maybe it's 15 times, 15x skewed, or like maybe just 10x if you measure, weigh it out. Like if it's 10x skewed versus like our productive capacity, ah, I wouldn't want to be in, in Europe. Like once this thing like falls falls apart and everybody wakes up and like oops i like i had to take a pay cut 10x or whatever like to like decimate my quintillion effect i don't know it's i'm it's just a thought that i'm playing with after seeing this graph like wow how big is the quintillion effect on like a nation level and <laughs> i mean we're we're actually fighting maybe uh, with bitcoin against something that you know you really don't want to let go if you're sitting as a nation on that effect <laughs> they're gonna fight this tooth and nails yeah so yeah it, there's a there's a big fight coming and i think the biggest fight's gonna be with cbdc's honestly like that's gonna be like the last grab of control from central banks will be the cbdc's so we'll see what ends up happening with that but uh 
I think we're kind of getting close to uh, running out, running out the the time. Marcus, did you have uh, any last words? Or Lucas, have you guys had some uh, some last some last? Yeah, thoughts? yeah. Well, first of all, Lucas, thanks so much for coming on. You know, it's been great. You've been dropping some uh, some knowledge, like I just said. And um, you know what I really appreciate a lot is, like you said, you know, there's um, Bitcoin Twitter is very you know Western centric and. Um, you know what the BTC Global Fest definitely does. It, it you know it, it shows you that all these different perspectives from Turkey. I love the Turkish space, you know, and these these things are under highlighted often. And um, yeah, there's a lot going on in Bitcoin outside of Europe and the US. And um, yeah, it's cool to see. And especially in those countries, I'm always kind of rooting for the underdog. You know, I'm hoping that countries like El Salvador, the Caribbean or whatever, you know, African nations that can benefit so much more, you know, it, uh, hopefully it's a bit of an equalizer. So thank you so much for highlighting those. Maybe Lucas, uh, please just go for like the, 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 the shill. Where can people find you? Where can they follow BTC Global Fest? What's the next uh, show you're doing? And uh, let's, let's get our listeners. Uh, yeah. Uh, so they can find you and follow that next uh, episode yeah check out global btc fest uh, and uh, every sunday on uh, u.s time we try to match evening time for americans so that we get the large twitter crowd to listen in and um, we also do a weekly space that's just socially oriented tuesdays wednesdays uh where the guests from the different spaces that we've done just hang out and ask each other questions and it's some of the most interesting conversations that that i'm i've, I've been privy to um for the past few months i really enjoy that so yeah just just come and uh, listen in uh, ask a couple of questions at the end of our sunday sunday show and um yeah and I just want to say one last thing. I want to share an idea that I have, and I haven't like elaborated it that much. But what if, um, what if we would do like adopt, you know, all the shit coins, they print so much money uh, by just issuing their ICO, whatever, and then they like it, pump it into marketing. Like Bitcoin can't do that. Like we need to do like real work to like to make bitcoin happen but there's one thing that i think maybe we're not doing enough there's a arbitrage between the west and uh, some of these countries with a hyperinflation uh, where people make very little money and there's some amazing bitcoiners in those countries and they're working on some really interesting things and a an american bitcoiner or you know Swedish Bitcoin or whatever, they could they could basically get a Bitcoiner in that country to work half time or full time only on orange pilling people by paying like a really small amount of money. Like I'm oh. talking like ridiculously low. Like I think I heard from the Ethiopia space we did that average salary for an engineer like three hundred dollars or something like that. Imagine you could get a like month, that person. Yes, imagine you could get that person working like half time or full time building like bitcoin education apps yeah wow. and like yeah i mean it's a, it's such a powerful 
like, okay, people maybe don't have $300 to pay, but maybe you could fund like a quarter of a developer, like you're four people, you're paying one guy to just go and build Bitcoin stuff. I just want to just drop that idea because I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the, like the tagline, like adopt the Bitcoiner, but like more like, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's more like, you know, you get a pal somewhere far away and, but not to like donate. Like it's, this is not a donation. This is like, Hey, work. You, you are doing really interesting Bitcoin work. I want you to not worry about other bullshit. I want you to only do that. Yeah. I'll fund you. We'll talk about it. I, I just want to participate in your journey. Let's do that. Like, how much more could we accelerate what, what's happening in Bitcoin if, like, we have like thousands of Bitcoiners doing that? That's a very interesting idea. That would be that would be really cool to see you know if there's certain people who had the the means to do that i mean if you have in a you know a thousand different bitcoiners like that in every country <laughs> that would be pretty insane talk about a marketing campaign <laughs> well i love it i yeah. love it lots of ideas and uh, let's make it happen guys and uh, hopefully um somebody was gonna run with it maybe maybe there's this um guy in Ethiopia that will build like this uh, this platform where we can go and adopt uh, or sponsor or, or hire a Bitcoiner like that. So looking forward to it, man. Yeah. Again, Lucas, thanks again for, for coming on. Marcus and I, I mean, I know I really appreciate it. Marcus, not so much, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, I had, thanks, I had a guys. Yeah. I had a blast. Nice to meet you, Sean. And yeah, Marcus. you too. Uh, just for anyone listening in, remember that uh, this Thursday, the Meme Factory podcast, we go live at 7.30 p.m. Uh, from the same channel, our YouTube channel. We will have P from the Bitcoin Magazine podcast. He also does host uh, the Bitcoin conference. Uh, he's awesome. You're not going to want to miss this one. Uh, and remember what you see here, what you hear here, when you leave here, don't just let it stay here. Please share, like, and subscribe. Give our man Lucas a follow. Uh, and as for Bitcoiners Guide, episode 24 from Lucas, Plan Marcus, and Big Sean. We're over now. Peace. Oh, keep it kicking. <laughs> <laughs>